You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. My dear friends, let us all pray our feast declaration of abundance. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's Word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I am God's beloved. I am God's servant. I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Please be seated po. Today, we shall continue with our life-changing and wonderful talk series called Wilderness. Lessons and inspiration from the book of Numbers. And for talk two, we will preach the message, Move when God moves. Stay when God stays. Can you say that again? Move when God moves. Stay when God stays. Please extend your hands in the Word of God. And let us glorify His Word by singing. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. And we shall read from the book of Numbers. Chapter 9, verses 17 to 18, all together, please. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. So the nation of Israel would move and stay as directed by God himself. That's wonderful, right? Because as I look back on my life, I realized that I did not allow God to direct me when I was younger. I would impose my will on God. So when I was young, this is how I prayed, Lord, help me. I want to get into the best schools. Lord, help me. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an OBGYN specialist. I want to be successful. That's how I prayed. But you know, when I got older, and my relationship with God matured. He made me realize that I should be allowing Him to direct my life. Do you agree? 
Yes, that's what God told me. I should allow Him to direct my life. And when I did that, He led me to become a teacher. And I'm so happy being a medical educator. When I did that, He led me to be an advocate for the marginalized. When I did that, when I allowed God to direct my life, He led me to be a builder here in the feast. Can you give the Lord a big hand? Can you look at the person beside you? Go ahead. And tell that person, friend, let God lead. That's right. Please extend your hands once more. And let us glorify His word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. We glorify you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Hallelujah. Yes. Whenever I hear the word wilderness, no, my mind automatically, automatically goes to these pictures. I took... When I went to the Yosemite National Park in California, in the U.S., this wilderness is so beautiful. It is so breathtaking, and I was really so blessed to be there. But mind you, 3,000 years ago, wilderness meant death. 3,000 years ago, during the time of the Israelites, wilderness meant wild animals, vicious bandits, dry land, famine, and starvation. Look at this dry land. Yan, that's wilderness during the time of the ancient Israelites. It meant starvation and death. That's what it meant. So, I'm sure there's so many questions in our mind. Why did they have to leave Mount Sinai? It was already a good place to live. Why did they have to move? Why did God ask the Israelites to pack everything up and walk again through the wilderness? Well, there are two reasons why. How many reasons? Yes, first reason Real trust in God can only grow in the wilderness. Can you read that again? Can only grow in the wilderness. Do you agree? Yes. Because faith doesn't grow in comfort. Faith will only grow in crisis. Do you agree? And the second reason is this. God is bringing you to a better place. Can you read that again? That's right. Do you believe that? Yes, you have to believe it because it's true. Take note. God promised the promised land. Promised land ng antawag eh. He promised the promised land. A land filled with milk and honey to the Israelites. He did not promise Mount Sinai. So God was teaching the Israelites, do not hold on to Sinai. Do not hold on to your comfort zone because you have to reach the promised land. And you know with God, 
Sometimes before we achieve the best, we have to go through some difficulties, right? We have to go through some challenges. So God is teaching all of us, don't be attached to yesterday's blessings. Do not be attached to Mount Sinai. Be attached only to the blesser of those blessings. Give the Lord a big hand. Be attached only to God. My dad, Arturo, no, passed away on November 14, 2021. And I'm telling you, you know, my parents are my greatest blessings. I love them very much. They are my heroes. But sadly, God called my dad home. And four and a half months after that, God called my mom, Mina, home on February 2, 2022. So I was so devastated. I was so heartbroken. I won't even get married. And yet I experienced being heartbroken because of the death of my parents. No, but I was able to cope. I was able to rise from that sadness, that depression, that that brokenness, because I realized that everyone and everything is temporary. But we can handle the loss because God is permanent. Can you say that again? God is permanent. Give the Lord a big hand. For this talk, we will be giving three messages and message number one is this. God has a special assignment for you. Say that again. Let's read the instructions of God to Moses in Numbers 1, 49 to 51. All together. Do not include the tribe of Levi in the registration. Do not count them with the rest of the Israelites. Put the Levites in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant, along with all its furnishings and equipment. They must carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings as you travel, and they must take care of it and camp around it. Whenever it is time for the tabernacle to move, the Levites will take it down. And when it is time to stop, they will set it up again. Can you please shout, Ang toxic. Yes, God commanded the Levites to do a very toxic job. He gave the Levites a very difficult responsibility. Look at the picture. This, that's the tabernacle of the Lord in the wilderness. And as instructed by God, the tents around it, those are the tents of the Levites. Because they were responsible for the tabernacle. And then around the tents of the Levites are the tents of the rest of the Israelites. Look at that one in the middle. And imagine how difficult the job of the Levites were. Because every time God would ask them to move, the Levites would disassemble all of those things. Everything. Label them accordingly. Pack them up and carry them to the next destination. 
And I'm telling you, the tabernacle is very complex. It is a very complex structure. Look at this next picture. This is the picture of the tabernacle. Very complex, very ornate, so many decorations, very big. It's 45 feet long, 15 feet wide, 15 feet high. Oh, imagine this. The Levites will go, oh, it's time to move. And then the Levites will go to the tabernacle. They will label every hook and rod and plank and decoration and curtain and drapes. And every single part of the tabernacle, disassemble it, pack it, carry it, and bring it to the next destination. And when they arrive on that new place that God has assigned for them, they will assemble the tabernacle again. And do you know how many times they moved in 40 years? Ask me, how many? 42 times. So it was like moving once every year. So may mga years twice pa nag-move. 42 times in 40 years, they had to pack everything up and set them up again. The message of God for all of us here today is this. God has an assignment for your life and it won't be easy. I'll say that again. God has an assignment for your life and it won't be easy. Life wasn't meant to be easy, right? Nope. We encounter challenges to strengthen our faith and trust in God. Brother Bo Sanchez encourages us builders to be bivocational. Meaning, we must have a full-time job and be a builder at the same time. But I am not bivocational. Ask me why! I'm not bivocational because I am quadrivocational. I am a full-time doctor. I am a full-time administrator in the hospital. I'm a medical educator. And the fourth, I'm a builder here. I'm not complaining. I love it. I love my life. In fact, every single day, whenever I pray to God, I say this. I'm thankful I get to do this. Can you say that? I'm thankful I get to do this. Yes, I'm thankful that God has given me the resources, the skills, the talents, the gifts to be able to do what I am doing now. And I'm sure God is doing the same for your life. And you should be saying that too. I'm thankful I get to do this. Now, for the second and third messages of this beautiful talk, I'd like to call on Brother Odi Villaraza. Good morning, everyone. I know what you're thinking. Magninino ka ba sa kasal pagkatapos, Brother Odi? Hindi po. I just wanted to honor all the moms here. Can we clap our hands for all the moms? Whether you're here or online, thank you so much for bearing and carrying all our happy sacrifices. Sige po, picture na lang ako. Alam ko, minsan lang po ito. <clears throat> all the single men in the house, can you raise your hand? All the single men. 
Single man, single man, come on. Can I teach you a very wholesome Christian pickup line? May I? Okay, now that we're on the book of Numbers, the next time you see a single lady, you just say, you know, I've been reading the book of Numbers and I just realized I still don't have yours. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah? Don't ever say that I don't do anything for you, single man, okay? You know how long I've been holding on to that joke since we start, started the book of Genesis? Because I knew somehow we were going to study the book of Numbers. So three long books, I had to hold on to that, to that joke. But anyway, you know, for all the first-timers here, by the way, how many are first-timers? Can you raise your hand? We just want to honor you, clap our hands for you, and welcome you to this community. You know, just in case you're wondering, um, what are we doing at the feast? What are we studying? For the past few months, we have been unpacking and reading and diving deep into the first five books of the Bible. It's called the Torah. Everybody say Torah. The Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books. And we've gone through Genesis, we've gone through Exodus, we've gone through Leviticus, now we're in Numbers. The next one will be in Deuteronomy. But you know, if I may share, the more I get to read the first five books of the Bible, and it's not easy, the more I realize that God is very organized. Did you notice that if you've been reading the Bible with me? That God is a God of order. Ever since creation was done, parang may order si Lord. There's a, there's a sequence and a pattern. Let me give you an example in the book of Numbers now. If you've been reading the book of Numbers from Numbers uh, chapters 1 to 10, you'll notice that there are a lot of statistical figures. A lot of data, like how many soldiers belong to the tribe of Israel, how many Levites and priests belong to each clan. Ang daming numero. And one thing that it tells me is that you know, God likes to count things. God likes to count things. The Bible says that God counts the stars and He has a name for each one of them. That's from Psalm 174. The Bible also says that God knows the number of days that you will live in this world and you will not be given a minute later. That's from the book of Job. And I love what the book of Psalms says. Teach me to number my days so that I may grow wise, so that I know that I'm not permanent here. And did you know that God goes even as far as numbering the hair on your head? Alam ni Lord kung gano karami. And I imagine that God did not have a hard time to our brother here and brother John Escoto as well and our brother right here also. No effort whatsoever from the Lord. Palakpakan natin ngayon ang mga walang effort si Lord <laughs> mga taong to. Alam na alam ni Lord kahit nakapikit. Grabe si Lord. He instructed Moses and Aaron to list everything. The number of soldiers, the number of Levites. And take note, God is not like your regular sari-sari store owner na may listahan lang ng mga utang mo. Yung utang mong patis, utang mong bigas, utang mong mantika. Hindi kaya si Lord. The Lord lists everything. Why? Ask me why. Because He values everything. He values you. He values me. Clap your hands for the Lord because He values you. He sees you. That's just a little side note. I'm going to give you message number two now. If message number one that Doc Ryan preached so well is that God has a special assignment for you, message number two is this. God wants your life to revolve around Him. Write that down if you're taking notes, okay? God wants your life to revolve around Him. I want to show you something really, really cool, okay? Check out this image that I'm going to show you. This is how God wants the people of Israel to organize their camp. If you see, there are three zones. 
that's there. You've got the outer zone. Everybody say outer zone. Those comprised of the 12 tribes of Israel minus the Levites. And just in case you're wondering, because I, I was so confused about this this week. If you notice the, the 12 tribes of Israel, yan po yung mga anak ni Israel, the artist formerly known as Jacob. Now, if you notice, there's supposed to be 12. But he's got more sons. He's got Levi, who's in charge of the Levites. And he's also got Joseph. You know Joseph, right? Joseph the dreamer. But then Joseph is not here. So I started asking the question, parang mali yung chart. Until... Bene Sanchez, thank you, Bene, if you're watching, he pointed out something so amazing that Ephraim, if you see on the west, and Manasseh, they're the children of Joseph. So, inadapt sila ni, jo- ni, ni Jacob, ni Israel. So that Joseph is out of the picture, and of course, Levi is going to be in charge of the Levites. Now, Doc Ryan already hinted a little bit on what the responsibility of the 12 tribes of Israel. They're the soldiers, they protect the tabernacle, so they belong to the outer zone. Now, you've got the middle zone. And the middle zone is comprised of all the Levites, you know, the priests who the number one responsibility is to take care of the tabernacle. We call them the grounds in maintenance. Sila yung taga-pack, taga-unload, taga-setup, sila yung mga yan. But then you've got the most important part of the camp, which is the inner zone. Everybody say inner zone. The inner zone is pretty much the tabernacle, you know, where the Ark of the Covenant is, is stored, and that's the most important part of the camp. Now, I want you to take a look at this, okay? If you look at that, what does it show you? It doesn't take rocket science to understand this. You don't need to have a PhD in, or a master's in theology to look at the image. Let me move out of the way. What does it look like to you? From the north to the south to the east to the west, what is in the middle? What is in the middle? The tabernacle. What did we say the tabernacle was? It's the symbol of God's presence. And when I saw this, I'm like, wow. God said that the Israelites should form their entire camp with Him being in the middle. So in other words, I believe that God wants us to organize our life the same way. That everything should revolve around God. That means your schedule, your calendar, your health life, your financial life, your relationships, everything revolves around God. And I'll tell you, if you do this, if you put God in the center of your life, something amazing happens, okay? I want to show you the next slide. Show the next slide. This is a look of the zones. But we've broken it down so that you can appreciate what it really looks like. Because in effect, The outer zones and the middle zones and the inner zones, when you put all that together, it actually reminds you of a mirror image of what the real garden looks like. Let me show you, okay? The outer zone, that's a representation of the 12 tribes of Israel, the camp itself where they stay. That's the garden, the garden of Eden. Now, the middle zone where the Levites and priests are in charge, that's a representation of Adam and Eve. In the sense that they were the first priests that God ordained. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 25, God said, watch and tend the garden. So that's a representation. And then you've got the inner zone, which is a representation, the tabernacle. It's a representation of the tree of life, the presence of God. So imagine this. What the author was trying to say is that when you look at this image and when you really think about it, in the middle of the wilderness... You've got a garden. 
God wanted them to organize themselves just like they're organizing themselves in the Garden of Eden. So in the middle of the wilderness, you've got a garden. What is the point? Ask me, what's your point, Brother Audie? A little bit louder. What's your point, brother? My point is this, that if when you make God the center of your life, you can be in the most barren of situations, you can be in your wilderness, and you can still experience a garden of abundance. Hallelujah. Amen. When you put God in the center of your life. Now, how do you put God in the center of your life? There are many ways, and this is mine, very practical. I'll share it with you. To me, for me to be able to put God in the center of my life, I acknowledge Him in everything that I do. I acknowledge Him when I wake up. I praise God for waking me up one day. And then I, I acknowledge Him before I sleep. I thank God. No matter how bad or good my day went, I acknowledge the Lord. Before I take my meals, I acknowledge the Lord and thank Him because He's my provider. He's the source of every blessing. Before I drive on the way to any destination, I pray to the Lord and acknowledge Him because I know that He's my great protector. Whenever I get sick, I acknowledge God because I know that He's my great healer. And you know what happens is that every single time I acknowledge God, no matter how bad my day becomes, it's okay. Why? Because I'm always reminded that God is with me. Acknowledge God in all the ways that you live. And you know what the amazing thing will happen? The more you acknowledge God, the more that you will see God's hand in everything in your life. Amen. So acknowledge God and make your life revolve around Him. That's what God, that's the original design of the Lord. That you would organize everything around him. That's message number two. He's message number three. Obey God even when it's hard. Can you tell the person beside you who's very, very silent and say, Friend, obey the Lord even when it's difficult. Come on. That's right. Obey God even when it's difficult. Let me show you. Let's go back to the scripture. It says in Numbers chapter Chapter 9, I believe. There we go. Chapter 9, verse 17. Let's read it together. It says, Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. You know, I want to talk to you about the cloud because today the cloud is a place where you store all your files and data. You know, all about the cloud, right? That's where you put all your pictures. But back in the day, every believer knew this, that the cloud was a symbol of God's presence. In fact, in the New Testament, they knew it was a symbol of Jesus' presence. How do they know that? Jesus, when he transfigured, it was up in a cloud. When, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he disappeared in a cloud. So the cloud is a representation of God's presence. But then it says here, and wherever, everybody say wherever, wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. And in this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command whenever he, wherever He told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. So this is what we're saying. Very basic. If the cloud moved, they moved. If the cloud stayed, they stayed. That's cool. But here's the tricky part. How many of you know that the movement of the cloud is very unpredictable? I mean, we have yet to invent an app or a software or any technology that would tell us where the cloud would go. It's impossible. So imagine them. Sometimes, because the cloud would stay for a few hours, they would stay for a few hours. And then they would get relaxed. But then all of a sudden, the cloud would move. Sometimes the cloud would stay for two days, sometimes for a week. Let me show you. In verse 20, it says, Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days. As the Lord commanded. Then, at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning, but day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp 
and moved on. Tell your neighbor right now, move on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, and get this, or a year, that's what Doc Ryan was saying, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. In verse 23, so they camped or traveled at the Lord's command and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. It's as if when you're reading this, you're getting the message that God did not want His people to be led by tradition or by routine or even by pattern. So what's the lesson in this? Here's the lesson. God doesn't want you to be too comfortable. He doesn't. I know we're all creatures of comfort. We love comfort. And I'm not saying that comfort is bad. I'm not telling you not to sleep with your aircon at night. It's a very, very hot season. I'm not telling you not to enjoy the privileges of food delivery. We like comfort, right? I'm not telling you to not spend on that luxury item or that piece of a vacation. I'm not saying that you should not enjoy the comforts of life. I'm just saying that sometimes comfort will kill your calling. Too much comfort. Because if you're only going to do what's convenient for you, you're never going to live in your comfort, in, in your calling. Because comfort is the enemy of calling. And I'm so glad, you know, when I think about this, that if we only did what's comfortable, you know, ministry would not look like the way it, it looks like today. Can you imagine if all the servants here at the feast would only do what's comfortable for them and convenient for them? They wouldn't be standing up. They wouldn't be here very early. They wouldn't be traveling from Bulacan, from Cavite, from Rizal just to get here on time. But because they do what's comfortable, our ministry is thriving. It's flourishing. So praise God for all the servants for doing what's uncomfortable. And I might as well add this, that if you guys did not do what's comfortable and you just, you know, just went to church when you felt like it, church would look so different. But I'm so grateful and glad that you guys would do what's inconvenient to travel all the way, for pay for your own fare, commute in the rain, walk in the heat just to hear the Word of God today. And every single Sunday. So praise God for people like you who will do and choose what is uncomfortable. Praise God for you. And you know, the other message that I wanted to say about that part is this. Is that sometimes we really need to learn how to be sensitive to the Lord. Because the Israelites, you know, they moved when the cloud moved. But imagine if they were very, what's the word? Yung, yung, yung. Dense. What's the Tagalog of dense? Yung hindi ba kapalimuka eh? Parang insensitive, something like that. Hindi, mali kayo. <laughs> anyway. If, if you're the type of person who doesn't really listen, that here's, here's my point, okay? You gotta learn how to discern what the Lord is saying. Because sometimes, you know, we're, we're staying in places where God asks us to move from. But we're also moving to places where God asks us to stay in. So how do you learn how to discern whether God wants you to stay or whether God wants you to move? It takes a relationship. Because if you have a relationship with Jesus, you'll be able to hear His Word. The Bible says, Jesus says in the Bible that I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. They know my voice. So if you really, really know and can, you can hear the voice of Jesus, you'd be able to tell His voice amidst all the noise in the world. So start that relationship with Jesus. It starts with a relationship. Am I clear on this point? All right, can I invite everybody to stand up? So just those two points. I'm going to close.
Ah, oh, praise God. Let's call our worship team on stage. Let's clap our hands for the Lord, by the way, for this amazing message. I'm praying that this has ministered to everybody. Um, the message today is really all about obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. It's, it's, it's the core of the book of Numbers, how the people of Israel obeyed God, even if it was difficult, even if it was hard, even if it was up till the point of death. And when you think about obedience, there's only one person that we can think of. And you know him. His name is his Jesus because Jesus obeyed God in a perfect way. Um, it, was, it wasn't easy, but he did it. And we know that it's possible. And so we follow Jesus because He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And we go to the Father through, through Him. But following Jesus requires two things. How many? The first one is called consistency. Everybody say consistency. Consistency is good. You know, you follow Jesus daily. You take up your crosses every day. You make a commitment to be like Him, to love like Him, to serve like Him, even if it's hard. It's got to be consistent. You got to follow after Him again and again. And the second thing, if the first one is consistency, the second is called intimacy or closeness. You got to follow Jesus at a very safe distance. You cannot stray too far away from the Lord. And I'll tell you one last story before we start worshiping God. My son Ethan, he's already five years old now. He loves swimming. How many of you love swimming? Raise your hand. Praise God. You know, my son, we started him in the water at the age of two. So he loves water. But at the age of five, he still doesn't know how to float or, you know, do the basic swimming. And we're teaching him now at this age. But he wears his little lifesaver, yung salbabida niya, that he likes. And it, it's given him the confidence to, you know, stray away a little bit. But I noticed a few days ago, that Ethan, because he's now confident, whenever we swim, and I'm with Ellie, and I make sure that they're both safe, I, I notice that sometimes he likes to go to the other end of the pool, and we swim in our condominium, which is a big pool, and it's the far end. And I know that he's wearing a floater, but it's a very deep, deep pool. So you know what I always tell him? I tell him, Ethan, please don't go too far away from daddy. Because if anything, God forbid, should happen to your floater, to your floating device, no matter how good I can swim, no matter how good I can be Michael Phelps, I will not be able to reach you because I'm just not that good of a skilled swimmer. So please do not stay too far out from me. I like telling people all the time, and I truly believe this, that there is no person here, online, offline, any person who is too far away for God to heal for too God, for, for too far away for God to, to rescue. And that's true. But I also believe this, that sometimes you can stray away from God so far that He won't be able to reach you. How? Because your heart has hardened just like the Pharaoh. You become so arrogant, you become so proud, or maybe because you've made other false gods in your life and you've become, you, you become that addicted person and God is no longer king in your life. There's a sense in which you can stray away from God for so far that He can't be able to reach you even if He wants to because you're not welcoming Him anymore. The message today is all about following Jesus and I want to end this way. When you read through Numbers 1 to 9, you'll notice this, that somehow the author of this, of this book, he was very redundant. He would repeat some passages again and again, and you would think 
You know, back in the day, they did not have Microsoft Word where you can copy and paste. You know, copy and paste, copy and paste. So imagine the scribe had to write that again and again and again, like in every chapter, saying that the Israelites obeyed the Lord and they did as the Lord commanded, chapter after chapter from, verse, from chapter 1 to 10. And it kind of makes you think, what's the point? You could just have shortcutted it and said that they obeyed the Lord. Period. That's it. Point taken. But they went through all this effort of writing from chapter to chapter that the people obeyed. Now, what is the point of the author? Here's my simple reflection. They wanted every reader that when they were reading every chapter, every word, every statement, and every sentence saying that the Israelites obeyed the Lord, it was an emphasis that, yes, they obeyed God. But here's the thing. In chapter 10, it changes. In chapter 11, they started disobeying God. They started complaining about being in the desert and having no meat and complaining about wanting to go back to Egypt. So from chapter 1 to 10, they obeyed God. How many of you know that it's hard to obey God? It's hard. It's difficult, especially when you're tempted to do the, right, the, 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 the wrong thing. Especially when you're tempted to do the convenient thing. But following Jesus... It's a daily thing. You follow Him daily and you follow Him closely. And the more that you follow Him daily and the more you follow Him closely, here's what happens. You start seeing that His ways become your ways. That His patience becomes your patience. His mercy becomes your mercy. The way that Jesus loves people will become the way that you love people. You have friends like that, that you hang out with the, that friend so much. That's what I'm talking about. You follow Jesus daily. You follow Him closely and a day will come when you will start acting like Jesus. And you will obey the Father just like Jesus. No matter how hard it will be. Move when God says you to move. Stay when God says that you should stay. Be obedient to the Father, just like Jesus, to the point of death. And here's the beautiful promise. You know, I wasn't supposed to say this, but I remember it now. In the tabernacle, you saw how they were camped. You know, they had their, the, the tabernacle in the middle. And they were protecting that tabernacle. But did you know that whenever they would move, it, they wouldn't be moving like, you know, okay, uh, stay three feet away from the tabernacle and then everybody, one, two, three, walk. That's not how they did it. That's very difficult to do, right? I'm talking about thousands of people doing that. 600,000. Can you imagine doing that all at the same time? It's impossible. You know what they would do? When they would break camp, the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant is, they would carry that Ark and they would put it in front. And the Ark of the Covenant would lead the way. Now, what is the message there? Wherever you go, God always goes before you. God always goes before you. Before you even arrive in your destination, God is already leading you there. His angels are already protecting you. He's already preparing manna in that wilderness. And the beautiful promise of God is that don't focus so much on the blessing. Doc Ryan said this. Don't focus too much on the garden where you are at. Focus on the gardener because where the gardener is, there will always be a garden. He brings the garden wherever he is. No matter where you are in this life, in this season of your life, you can be in a barren wilderness. 
But if the gardener is with you, without the shadow of a doubt, he will turn that wilderness, that grave into a beautiful garden where abundance will be, where there will be healing, where there will be provision, where there will be purpose, where there will be love. Can we clap our hands for the God who takes care of the garden? Amen. We're going to worship the Lord right now. And this is your moment. It's between you and God. Forget the worship team here. Forget every person beside you. It's between you and your Father. Between you and Jesus. And He walks amongst us right now. You can close your eyes in this moment. Let me pray for you. Jesus, you are our King. Thank you for being our gardener, for tending the weeds, tending the fruits, and removing all those that harm our garden. Thank you for watering us day after day. Thank you so much, Jesus. Our bold prayer for today is that we want to become like you. We want to serve like you. We want to love like you. We want to sacrifice just like you did. And we want to follow the Father just like you. And so this is our prayer. As we worship you, we give our whole heart. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.